God bless you. It's so good to be back again with you today. Thank you so much for coming out again. We realize it's not always possible to travel to a service somewhere and to fellowship with the other people there, so we bring the service to you, wherever you are. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you discover God's peace and His promises for your life. Would you open in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs in the Tanakh in the Old Testament? Proverbs 18, verse 1. That's where we're going to be today, and we'll also show those verses up here in the video for you, just to make it easy for you to follow along. I'd like to talk to you today about growing in fellowship. It's one of the three important things you need to learn as a believer. Last week, we covered growing in God's Word, and the week before that, we covered growing in prayer. But today, we're talking about the third thing, growing in fellowship. When you were younger, we were dependent on our families to take care of us. They cared for us when we were too young to care for ourselves. As we got older, our parents made sure we went to school and that we learned how to read, how to write, how to do basic math. They knew that one day we would need those skills in order to communicate and to work at jobs and to be creative as we matured in life. Along the way, we learned what was right and what was wrong. We learned how to respect other people and the value of helping others. Most of us, the memories of our family are pleasant memories. It seemed that in our life, we were, it was so much simpler at that time. We felt like no matter what happened outside our home, we always had a place where the people inside our home loved us and they cared patiently for us. In the same way, God knew that His children, those who believe on His Son, Jesus Christ, He knew that they would need encouragement at times. He knew that they would need others who cared enough to listen, who would spend time before God praying for them when they were facing trials. So He designed His church to be a place where people would be loved and cared for. He made it to where there would be a place where those who were hurting could come and find help. They would be able to find counsel to help them navigate the inevitable trials that would come in life. There's times in life when we all go through things that make us feel all alone, things that nobody else would understand. You've looked at the problem from every angle, and you just don't know how to deal with it. You worried about it, that didn't help. You prayed about it, and you just don't know what to do about it in the end. But God tells us in His Word that other believers face the same kinds of trials that we go through. So it makes sense, doesn't it, that some of your fellow believers have already gone through the things that you're facing today. And they might be able to tell you how they made it through it. Now, out in the world, people make fun of you and they ridicule you if it doesn't appear that you have life all together, that you have all the answers. And they do this even though they themselves have even more problems than you do. But they're all too willing to criticize other people. And you don't find acceptance in the world. There's harsh uh, dirtiness in society today that people are trying to criticize others because they think by doing that, it'll make them themselves look better. That's sad that anytime someone is aspiring to do good, others try to tear them down 
because it's making those people who are criticizing you look bad because they don't even care about doing good. But in God's fellowship, His children are accepted. They're among others who have also needed compassion in the past. And those people are now loving and they want to help others because of how God helped them. Now sure, there's always a few people in every group of society that's, as we say, rough around the edges. There's people who feel like they have the calling of anger and the gift of rebuking others in the church. But those people are usually few in numbers. And while they may think that they're part of the fellowship to teach other people, in reality, they don't know that they're really there rather to learn from other people. You see, a church is not a gathering of perfect people. No, it's far from it. In fact, it was established by God to be a place where imperfect people could come. Someone said it like this, The church fellowship is not a retirement home for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. I like that. It's so true, isn't it? But that's what makes it so wonderful. It's a place where those who are hurting come to be healed. It's a place where the outcasts can come and find acceptance and compassion. It's a place where the heart can be healed. It's a place of healing, of growing, and people learning to help and to serve others. The greatest in God's kingdom, by the way, will be a servant of all. That's what Jesus himself taught. It's exactly the opposite of the world's so-called greatness. The world's greatness is a selfish greatness. It says that you're great when everybody else is serving you, when you're powerful and others are not. That's why I say it's a selfish greatness. It's centered around you, yourself, me, myself, and I. That's what society teaches you is important in life. But Jesus said, no, it's serving others. But you see, God has designed and built a place where you can find the help that you need in life, He's given you a place where you can find the healing you need. He's provided a place where you can find the love you need. And it's a place where people are taught to be great by being humble and serving others. It's a place where you can grow in the things of God. And that's why growing in fellowship is such an important part of your new life. The scriptures are very clear about this humility and serving others and fellowship with others. God tells us in the book of Proverbs, our verse for today, chapter 18, verse 1, it says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Now think about that. That's why we're not to neglect together, it says in Hebrews 10, 25, we're not to neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but rather we're to encourage one another and all the more as you see that day of fellowship approaching. Even in the Tanakh, Hamelik Shlomo, King Solomon, says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, says this wisdom. The wisest man who ever lived, remember, Hamelik Shlomo, King Solomon, says in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 through 12, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to the person who is alone when he falls and does not have another 
to lift him up. So you see, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? You're stronger with others. But the best reason to fellowship with other believers is given in the New Testament in the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20. In it, Jesus Himself says, For where two or three or more are gathered in My name, then I am also there with them in the midst. Wow! God Himself promises to be with us when we fellowship together in His name. Now think about that. Think about the amazing things that happen when God is in the middle of us, our fellowship, when we're with other people. He's speaking to different people about different things. Why would He do that? Well, He gives us the picture in the Bible that His church is like His body. It is His body on earth. And in any body, there's different parts that do different things. These fingers do, do different things than my knee. These hands do different things than my ears. My eyes certainly do different things than my shoulders. And all of these things are different, but they're all part of the same body. And if you didn't have any one of those things, that body would be incomplete. And the rest of the members of that body would be hurting if one of those members of the body was missing. And so that's why it's so important to understand this concept in the church. When God is in our midst, He's telling each of us what we need to know to fulfill our calling, our role in the body. And our role may be different than the roles of other people there. You can't turn and tell that person next to you that he should be doing this because you were called to do that because God may have called him to do something different. You can't turn to that lady next to you and say, well, maybe you should think about doing this because God has put that on your heart. But in her heart, God's speaking to her to do something else. And as long as it all agrees with the Word of God, that's the most important thing, then God will deal with each of the people in a way that He wants to deal with them. Here's what I'm saying. God has a plan for each of our lives. But there's certain wisdom that He imparts to each of us, certain experiences that we have that we can share with others to encourage them. When He's there in the midst of the fellowship when we're gathered in His name, amazing things can happen. Things that that person is going through might be something that God's brought you through in the past. Or you had a totally different problem, but in your problem you saw that miraculously God made it all work out somehow. So now you can tell to that other person going through a different kind of trial, you can tell them, look, I don't know about your trial, but I'll tell you this, I had a big problem in my life. I didn't see a way out. I didn't know what was going to happen. It looked like everything was just impossible. But somehow... God made it all work out. And that person you're speaking to will then be encouraged. Amazing things happen when God is with us. There's all kinds of stories of wonderful things that happen in fellowship in life. I remember the story of 
a man and a woman who came to me and they were going through marriage counseling. There had been some problems in their life and these were serious problems. They didn't know what to do. They were looking at divorce. And it was really difficult for the family. They had children. It was difficult for the husband. It was difficult for the wife. They had been married a long time. And it, but it just seemed like something had happened and just pulled the carpet out from them. And they were just falling, free falling, didn't know what to do. It looked like their marriage was going to end any day. But then God did something miraculous. You know, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up, just as you're already doing. That couple, after being encouraged and told to just stay the course and to start praying for one another and to start holding hands and just walking and praying with one another at night before they went to sleep at night, somehow God used those times to heal that couple. As that couple sit in fellowship with other people, they heard God's Word, and God's Word healed their hearts. He healed the bitterness. He healed the anger. He healed the anxiety. He healed everything. And not only did He take the bad things away, He restored an amazing love. He did amazing things in their life. And now, all this time later, that couple is back together. Their children are happy and growing up in a family that is united in the love of God. That's the way it happens when you fellowship with other people and God is there in your midst, you see. That marriage is healed and strong today because of the fellowship that God had them in at that time. I also heard the story about a man who was diagnosed with cancer. It was a very, very bad cancer. This was a long time ago. But the man was basically sent home to die. He was told he had about two weeks to live and that was it and that he could expect to die. Now, no one wants to hear that. No one wants to be in that situation. Think about it. Put yourself in that situation. There's those moments where all hope seems like it's gone. You just resign yourself to, well, that's it. I don't have anything left in life. My life is cut short. But you're counting out God. That man, when he was sent home to die with only two weeks to live, got together with other people in fellowship. And those people who were God's children along with him because he was a believer, they prayed for that man. And they prayed for that man as if this was happening in their own life. And they would counsel him and they continued to pray for him when they were alone. After they left fellowship with each other and they, they weren't meeting with each other. And they would come by and visit him. They would encourage him and build him up. They would give him God's word and the promises in God's word. And they continued to pray for him. You know, James in the book, in the New Testament, in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 16 in the New Living Version, New Living Translation, says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest power, prayer, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. 
and it produces wonderful results. Let's read that again. James 5, 16. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. That man was healed. He didn't die two weeks later. In fact, he was completely healed. The doctors were amazed. They could not find a single trace of any of the cancer in his body, and they had seen it there. In the surgeries, they had seen it. It was well documented among many of the doctors. What happened? God happened. The power of God was brought to bear on the cancer that man was experiencing by the prayers in the fellowship of the body of Christ, of the church. Wonderful what God could do. That man was healed completely, lived a long and wonderful life. But it's other things as well that you see that result from being in fellowship with believers. In my own life, I've seen an elderly lady that was carried to a doctor. She couldn't drive herself there. She didn't have anyone. She was stuck at her place. She couldn't drive anymore. She didn't know how to get to the doctor, but he had to treat her for something that was wrong. And then people from the fellowship from the local church would drive by, would visit her, and would carry her to the doctor. I'm sure now they had things to do, right? I'm sure they had a whole list of to-do things on their schedule, and their calendar was full. Everyone is so filled up today with things that they have to do, and we're always thinking of ourselves, aren't we? But God wants us to take time to be before Him and pray and seek Him and read His Word and to think of other people. He wants us to take the time to fellowship with those in the fellowship that have needs. And sometimes they're in the fellowship because they're believers also as we are, but they can't come to church. You could go to them. You can see what they need. There's people in the church that buy groceries every week for other people. There's people in the church that are dedicated to going around and taking elderly people and widows uh, to doctors. There's people that take care of orphans. There's people that take in orphans to their own family and raise them along with their own birth children. And those are happy, one big families now after God moved on their heart to do something wonderful. What am I saying? This is the design of God's fellowship for believers. And He designed it that way to where we would care for each other. You leave yourself at the door. All your selfish wants and desires you leave at the door. And you say, you know what? It seems like I'm happiest when I'm doing something for someone else. That lady was carried to the doctor. She got all her doctor appointments and today everything is fine. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, in the English Standard Version, Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. Galatians in the New Testament. Galatians 6, verse 2, also the English Standard Version, says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill 
the law of Christ. Did you hear that? It says that basically if you bear one another's burdens, you're fulfilling the law of Christ. Who is Christ? He's God. God made flesh, became the Messiah for us. The Lord Himself gave His life for us so that we might live and have everlasting life and be together with Him forever. He said, bear one another's burdens and you've fulfilled the law. He said in another place in the New Testament, something that you already knew from the Tanakh, if you looked at the Tanakh, the Old Testament, in detail, it says, for when you love one another, you're fulfilling the law. All of the law, all of the prophets are fulfilled in this, that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and that you would love your neighbor as yourself. Do these things, and you've fulfilled all the law. Because all of those 613 mitzvot, or commandments, kol mitzvot, all of the 613 commandments in the Torah, in the law, all come down to this. Love God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Why your neighbor? Your neighbor was created in the image of God, just like you are. So when you love them, you're loving as God loves them. He causes His reign to fall on the just and the unjust. Who is your neighbor? Is it the one who does good to you, who always does things the way you like him to? The one who, uh, who cares for you and, and always helps you out? It's more than that. Your neighbor is anyone in need. Your neighbor is anyone that needs a helping hand. Now, I'm not saying they deserve that helping hand, but let me ask you a question. Do you deserve God's help? No, we don't. God has every right to punish us. He has every right to remove us from the earth right now because of all the sins that we've had in our life. And yes, we may agree with the law, and we may say that it's good and sounds like a good thing to do, but we don't keep it all the time. And I'm not just talking about things that we do with our hands, where our feet go to, what we do in our actions. I'm also talking about our thoughts. Our thoughts themselves can be good or they can be evil. And so many times they're evil. We're angry with other people. We're resentful. We're jealous of what they've got. We envy them because they've got that job that we wanted. All these other things that go in our mind, there's lust for someone and you have this lust of the flesh and you have this desire to always buy possessions and have wealth and everything just because you think that makes you look important or that that will make you happy. And God's saying, no, the thing that's going to make you happiest is to bear one another's burdens. Galatians 6.2 And so fulfill the law of Christ. You want to keep the law? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all that you are. Those are really the only two things. And it all comes down to that. Fellowships are important for a variety of reasons. Not only can you get wise counsel from the other people there who have gone through things, and yeah, of course there are some people that they have quirks, as we say. There are some people that maybe say weird stuff, and they're kind of weird themselves. But the vast majority of believers will have good counsel for you. 
And think of this, like we said earlier, not everyone who comes to a fellowship is wise and has counsel for other people. Many of the people come to a fellowship because they need help. That's the way it was with one young man. He came to a church and it was the first time he had come to a church and he didn't even know why he was there. It seems like he had arrived late. There was no place to sit except in the very back row. But you need to know something about this young man. Life hadn't been going good for him. He was really depressed. Everything had turned out bad in his young life. And as a young teenager, he came to the church telling himself that he wants to go to church for once in his life and then he was going to go home and commit suicide. He was going to go home and take his life after that time of church. He had given up. He had thought about it for the longest time. Came to the conclusion there was no chance for happiness in his life. He didn't know why he was there. He had no fulfillment in his life. And he came to that church, sitting at the back, looking like everybody else. But that young man knew that in another hour, hour and a half, he was going to go home and kill himself. During that service, though, the pastor spoke about God's love. The pastor encouraged the people. He told them that there's nothing that they're going through that God can't fix. He told them about how God loved them. And he spoke from the word of God and gave the promises of God as he spoke. I don't know what the message was, but at the end of that message, that young man was in tears. He came up for prayer. And he asked someone in the fellowship, will you pray for me? They prayed for him. They found out what was going on in his life. They prayed for him. That night, that young man gave his heart to Jesus Christ. He gave his heart to Jesus the Messiah, the Lord. And from that moment on, he began to grow in God's kingdom. All of a sudden... A seed was planted in his heart. And that seed, slowly at first, started to grow. There was a little glimmer of hope deep down. A hope that hadn't been there before. After a while, that young man began to discover promises in God's Word on his own. And he began to take in the Word of God as if he was a sponge soaking up water. He had experienced the fellowship of God. Brotherly love where a tender heart and a humble mind had counseled him. That's what 1 Peter 3 verse 8 says in the English Standard Version. It says, finally all of you have unity of mind. In other words, be of one mind. Have sympathy, have brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. 1 Thessalonians, also in the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 14 also says... And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient to them all. You see, it's all about showing God's love, being patient to people. And then finally, in 
the book of John, chapter 4, verse 13. Or 1 John, chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we live in God and that He lives in us because He's given us His Spirit. It's saying when God gives you His Spirit, the manifestation of that, the proof of that is that you love God and you love one another. Today that young man who was coming to church for the last time and the first time and he was going to take his life after that, today that young man is Pastor Damien Kyle. He's a senior pastor of a very large church fellowship. And he brings the story of God's love and the mercy of God to thousands of people and encourages them who are hurting, just like he was hurting. He encourages those who are hopeless, just like he was hopeless. And he encourages them to give their lives to Jesus Christ. If you believe on God's Son, Jesus the Messiah is Lord, then you need to surround yourself with the fellowship God has designed and provided for you. He made it to support you, to grow you, to mature you, to strengthen you, to make you wiser, to make you happy. If there's a good local Bible teaching church in your area and you're a believer, then start attending and learn from God's Word. If you don't have a good Bible teaching church in your area, then you can fellowship right here online with the Shepherd's Light Online Church every week. There's wonderful people right, right here that attend here online and they'd love to get to know you and encourage you. You could talk to them right now over here in our chat window every week. And when there's enough believers in your area, we'll see if it's possible to start a Shepherd's Light Fellowship in your own city. But until then, you have the online church. You can always have God's Word and His promises in you. Just meet here with us or meet in a local church if you have a good Bible teaching church. If you haven't already believed on Jesus Christ as the Messiah and the Lord, why don't you give your life to Him? Today, right now, if you call out to Him, He'll hear that cry and He'll answer you. He'll rescue you from your, that darkness and He'll shine His light on that heart of yours and you'll be given newness of life. He makes all things new. I'm telling you again, He makes all things new in your life. He'll change you into a new person and throw all that bad history away. You'll be completely new and He'll give you everlasting life in the kingdom of heaven. That's guaranteed by God Himself. We want to give you an opportunity right now to believe in Jesus as the Messiah and the Lord and to receive God's peace in your life. You can be saved and given everlasting life in Him by simply believing that God sent His one and only Son into the world to save us from judgment. Just pray something like this. God, I do want to know You and have real peace in life. I believe in your Son, Jesus Christ, as Lord, that He died for my sins and that He was raised from the dead and that He will be coming again to judge the world for its sins and to set up the kingdom of God on earth in which no pain, tears, and heartache 
and sin will ever happen again. God, please forgive all my sins. I give my life to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, God heard you. And He's already started working in your life. That seed's been planted. Over time, you're going to begin to see the wonderful changes in your heart as that seed grows. Get in a good Bible-based church. Learn about Him and His Word. And talk to God every day in prayer. He's going to do amazing things in your life.